Brazil's political rivals face each other once again after a bitter campaign. The country is set to choose its next president. As far as how long it takes for the dust to settle, so to speak, I think will very much be dependent on, on the scenario. Coming up, you'll get the latest on the campaign, the implications of a victory for either candidate, and details on what you need to do to keep your people and assets in Brazil safe. Plan on monitoring this situation and, and have an escalated posture for the next several weeks in case that there is one of these more volatile scenarios that ultimately plays out. We would, of course, always recommend uh, maintaining a low profile, uh, avoiding obvious displays of political affiliation. Brazil's Presidential Runoff, a new podcast from International SOS. Hello, I'm Paul Osborne. They are bitter rivals and political opposites, but Brazil's people must choose whether Jair Bolsonaro should get a second term as president or whether to hand power back to former leader Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva, Lula, to most Brazilians. Bolsonaro has been busily campaigning across the country after doing better than many analysts expected in the first round. Though Lula was still ahead and remains the favorite to win the runoff. The two men faced off in a fiery TV debate in which Lula called Bolsonaro a tiny little dictator, his rival labeling Lula a national embarrassment. It has been a tense campaign with questions over whether the loser would even accept defeat. And whoever wins, the implications are significant, not just for Brazil. To get the latest on the situation in the country, I've been speaking to Mike Rogers, Director of Intelligence for the Americas at International SOS, and to David Kispe, who's the lead security analyst for South America. David began by explaining where we are heading into the second round of voting. There is this sense that Bolsonaro very much overperformed, uh, particularly with regard to polling that was done prior to the first round. Many respectable polls uh, had Lula leading Bolsonaro, uh, by double digits or even winning in the first round. Lula ended up winning by a bit more than five points, so about uh, 48% to Bolsonaro's 43%. Uh, and while this is not necessarily a far cry from what polls showed, it certainly was a smaller margin than the polls had forecast. Another point to consider here is uh, Bolsonaro's performance in, in different uh, states, in the, in the north and the northeast, where Lula maintains strong support, as well as in the south and in the central west, where Bolsonaro was very strong. Those areas very much played out as polls expected. But in the key southeast region, uh, which is where the populous states of Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, and uh, Minas Gerais are located, Bolsonaro really uh, overperformed in those areas. So in Sao Paulo, Lula was expected to win by nine points per the, the final polls, and Bolsonaro ended up winning by seven. Uh, in Rio de Janeiro, there was a swing of 15 points, and in Minas, a uh, swing of 13 points, all in Bolsonaro's favor. Well, let's explore the implications of what a victory for either man would mean. Mike, let's begin with Bolsonaro. What, what would it mean for Brazil and the wider world were he to win re-election? In the event of any potential outcome here, we will see demonstrations and there will be an elevated risk beyond the norm of political violence. But a Bolsonaro victory specifically, which again seems still to be slightly less likely than a Lula victory at this point, would certainly drive demonstrations in the North, where as David explained, support for Lula is strong. 
But we'd also see demonstrations in some of the major cities in the southeast. Again, in uh, these population centers of Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, Belo Horizonte, which is in Minas Gerais. The underlying motivation of these protests, we would expect to be more to demonstrate that a large portion of the Brazilian population is not ideologically aligned with Bolsonarismo, rather than some sort of genuine effort to disrupt a political process or overturn results. Presumably, if Lula won, there would be protests too, but in different places. The assessment of this scenario is somewhat dependent on the process, I would say. So if Lula were to win by a large margin, that would take some of the sting out of allegations of electoral fraud or some other malfeasance. And it would become less likely that such a narrative would take hold in, in a manner that would drive significant street-level demonstrations. The most volatile scenario would likely be one in which Lula wins by a slim margin, and the narrative of electoral fraud gains steam amid challenges to the results. This would be a very tense situation, and the risk of unruly demonstrations and incidents of political violence would be much more pronounced in that case. Now, the last time we talked, Mike, we, we discussed the possibility of a coup around the time of these elections, not least because of Bolsonaro's proximity to the military and his connections to the military in his past. Does the outcome of the first round and the polling going into the second affect the assessment of the danger of that? It's an interesting question. Ultimately, no, our assessment is not altered by the first round's results. The military remains a neutral entity, and we don't anticipate that military leadership would appeal to any overtures to inappropriately insert themselves into some transition of power. And ultimately, we do not assess that Bolsonaro's somewhat surprising success in round one will have much impact to Brazilian democratic institutions. David, let me bring you in at this point. We also talked last time about the fear of political violence around the election. What's the situation with regard to that? Yeah, so this definitely has been, continues to be one of our main concerns. Uh, these instances of political violence uh, thus far have largely been localized. Uh, so they originate from political discussions, disputes at a bar, things of that nature, usually between uh, either strangers in a, in a certain venue or even uh, people who are friends or familiar with each other uh, in many of these situations. Um, and these discussions uh, turn, turn violent, uh, given kind of this uh, very polarized and, and confrontational electoral climate. Uh, so we highlighted several instances leading up to the first round. Uh, on the night of the, the election, when we saw the results flip and Lula took the lead, uh, we saw a confrontation between a group of Lula and Bolsonaro supporters uh, in a public square in Rio de Janeiro in the northern part of the city. Uh, that ultimately had to be quelled uh, with a police presence. About a week later in uh, Itanyang in Sao Paulo, uh, there was a similar incident in a bar uh, that led to uh, a stabbing incident in which a Lula supporter killed a Bolsonaro supporter. So unfortunately, this is an issue that we haven't seen go away. Unfortunately, we have a concern that given the current climate of polarization and intentions, if there were to be uh, a situation such as the one we've, we've been discussing uh, in which the results are questioned uh, or Bolsonaro or Lula call on their supporters to demonstrate. We're concerned of the possibility of these incidents uh, continuing or increasing uh, or even taking place in kind of more public areas in which uh, more of a risk would be posed to bystanders. Given the continued risk of violence around the vote, what are the recommendations at the moment for any workforce that may be in Brazil? We would, of course, always recommend uh, maintaining a low profile, uh, avoiding obvious displays of political affiliation. And this is particularly 
specific places and times. Uh, so obviously on the night of the election uh, or days of political rallies, being aware of uh, locations such as government buildings, um, main public squares. We also recommend just uh, in, in general, avoiding any locations that may be the site of uh, campaign rallies, protests, etc. And um, what guidance would you offer to managers too, who are looking to safeguard both people and assets, I suppose, in in what could be some fairly tumultuous weeks to come. So I mentioned this last time we spoke, but I think it bears repeating. The first step here is for organizations to review their levels of exposure and have a really clear understanding of who or what is facing what risks. Where are people working, living, operating? What level of risk do they face? And are they in the vicinity of any protest hotspots? Some of the places they just mentioned as well, main plazas, government buildings, campaign headquarters, these are all sensitive locations. It's also then important to review escalation procedures and monitor triggers that might indicate a need to adjust your organization's security posture. So triggers such as a Lula victory by a thin margin or the development of claims of electoral fraud as well as calls from either candidate for street level demonstrations. And this week, I'd encourage managers to ensure that they're adequately resourced to assess the situation. They should ensure that they have dedicated resources to evaluate information and intelligence sources. They should have pre-identified sources and providers of reliable, timely information and clear guidelines for escalation of information on developments that could impact the organization and its workforce. Yes, I think there may be uh, some considerations for organizations with regards to uh, the statements or stance they take and communicate to their employees regarding the elections, particularly for organizations with uh, local nationals. They'll want to consider that their personnel inevitably will have a direct stake in this election. Their staff may be participating and voicing their opinion uh, to different degrees. We recommend that the organization uh, provide guidance to their workforce, emphasizing that they are respectful of different points of views, uh, and they expect that same respect uh, within the workforce. Uh, We think that's pretty important given the the current climate of tension and and polarization in this environment. Also, of course, providing guidance uh, to what we've discussed about measures that staff can take to safeguard their personal safety, especially if the office is located in kind of a downtown area that may be prone to protests. Consider uh, situations in which different uh, work-from-home policies may be activated uh, in the event of unrest, uh, things of that nature. Um, and these guidelines and these policies uh, should be done and communicated, emphasizing uh, the organization's dedication to keeping their employees safe, rather than trying to discourage or limit any particular type of uh, political involvement or activism. And Mike, the result may come out fairly soon after voting in the second round, but how long will it be before we know that the country has accepted the outcome. As far as how long it takes for the dust to settle, so to speak, I think will very much be dependent on on the scenario. Again, the most volatile situation here would be a thin margin of victory for Lula, in which there's some sort of challenge to the electoral process, and that could likely drag on for a number of weeks. And during that period, there would be heightened risk of uh, political violence in form of isolated attacks and and um, these public disputes that escalate into violence, as well as uh, demonstrations in urban centers that occasionally involve confrontations between opposing groups or involvement of police forces and things of that nature. I think it's very important at this stage that the managers plan on monitoring this situation and, and have an escalated posture for the next several weeks in case that there is one of these more volatile scenarios that ultimately plays out. Mike Rogers, International SOS Director of Intelligence for the Americas, and David Kispe, lead security analyst for South America. Well, as the situation in Brazil plays out over the coming weeks, you'll be able to get the latest updates from our website, internationalsos.com. And from the site, you can find out more about our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. 
For now, though, thanks very much for listening. And until next time, goodbye.